The idea of communion, as Tom said, just gives us a picture into really the amazing power of Christ and what he did. You know, it wouldn't have been enough if he just came to earth and that if he just had this great plan for the redemption of the world, but really didn't act upon that plan. And uh, I wonder in your own life, as you think over it, if there was a time where you can look at a, a specific event maybe that you had in your mind, you knew what you were supposed to do, you knew how you were supposed to act on it, and you took that action and maybe your life has totally changed because of it for the better. Maybe on the flip side, there's a, a time in your life where you look back and you're like, you know, I knew I should have taken some action at this very moment. I should have done this, but I didn't do it. And because of it, maybe your life is different, maybe not in quite the positive way. We've been talking about the idea of getting God's perspective with our own thinking over the past few weeks, about thinking clearly, about understanding how to hit decisions, about understanding about how God looks at us, about understanding our role in Christ. But much like Christ coming with a plan but not acting it out, for us this morning, the question is, now that we are thinking clearly, now that we have a plan, now that we know who we are, we know what God expects of us, the question is, where do we go with it? How do we make this a reality? Well, I want to invite you to the book of James this morning. We're just going to spend our time in the book of James chapter 1. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a passage from there. Now, if you know anything about the book of James, James is the, uh, he's, he's one of the brother. he's the brother of Jesus. And his writings that he gives us are so practical in nature. In other words, you don't really need to step out and do a lot of research to understand Greek words or understand exactly what he's talking about because he is so practical in the way he just gives us the information on what he expects or what, in essence, God expects from us. So this passage of scripture, I think uh, we can read it and you'll understand it. You'll get exactly, for the most part, what he's talking about. So let me uh, read this for you from James chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 22 uh, through 25. He says this in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. All right, anybody confused yet? All right, we're all with me. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do, it, do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. I mean, this is pretty, pretty clear cut. I mean, it's not really some cryptic message. You don't have to understand prophecy. You don't have to understand a lot of other passages of scripture to understand what James is writing about. Basically, he's talking about us listening to the word and then acting on the word. Now, we could close our Bibles, but we won't because I'm paid by the minute and I still have 25 minutes left to speak. So we're going to dig a little deeper into this. Because I think there's some nuances that really help us to understand it a little bit more. Because while it is easy to understand conceptually, while we can understand what he is saying, we understand the words, we even may understand exactly what we are supposed to do. It's a whole different story when we actually try to live this out. So how do we get the motivation? How do we get ourselves to a point where we actually take what we read and actually apply it to our own lives? Well, to start with, let me just give you the bottom line of this passage, because again, I think you grasp a lot of it. And the bottom line simply comes uh, with, with this. In order for you to experience 
the fullness of your spiritual existence, you must execute that which you learn. I mean, it's very simply stated, in order for you to experience the fullness of your spiritual existence, in order for you to really grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, in order for you to really understand everything and to experience everything God has for you, you must execute that which you learn from God's word. It's not enough to just hear it. You have to act on it. Now, again, this is very simple. This is very simple to conceptualize, to understand. We got it. We're good. Let's go. But the problem is a lot of us, when we leave this place, take what we learn and it kind of, we forget it for some reason. We get out into the reality of our world, the reality of our lives. And pretty soon that which we hear about, that which we read kind of fades off into the distance, into a memory. So how do we make this stuff stick? How do we make it to be a reality in our own lives? Well, let me dig a little deeper into what James is saying in this passage and kind of uh, really kind of dig in a little bit into some of the key words that I think come out of this passage. One of the first words he talks about that really to me has a lot of power is the word deceive. He talks a lot about, he talks about the, the idea that if you are a person who reads and understands and listens to the word, but don't do what the word says, he says, you're deceiving, you're, you deceive yourselves. So I got a little equation for you that just, seems, that just says this, that listening, just listening alone, equals deceiving. Listening equals deceiving. Now, when you talk about listening, you can also talk about a person who listens, who talks a lot, I don't know if you know anybody who does that, does a lot of chatter, uh, says a lot. And a lot of times we say, well, put your money where your mouth is. Well, this is the kind of person James is talking about. A person who just absorbs a lot of information. A person who takes it all in, who comes to church, who reads the Bible, prays a lot, who has a lot of information, a lot of understanding. And James says that if that person just simply sits on it and doesn't do anything with it, that person is deceiving or has been deceived. Now, when you use the word deceive, for me, that carries a lot of negative connotations with it. I mean, we just don't throw that word out too loosely in our everyday language unless there's something particular that we are trying to really get across. We don't go around and saying, hey, you deceiver, you deceiver, you're a deceiver. We just don't do that unless we want to really get into a heated conversation with someone. So the word deceive has a lot of negative uh, power behind it, and it's a very potent word. So when James says, listen, if you're just listening to the word and you're not doing anything with it, then you're, you're being deceived. Now, wh- what does he mean by being deceived? I mean, really, if you think about it, I'm, I'm understanding God's word. I'm spending time praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm coming to church. Isn't that really, you know, a good thing? Well, yeah, it's a good thing, but in and of itself, it has the power to give you a understanding that just isn't reality. And the understanding is that I, by just gaining more knowledge, by gaining more understanding, am growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ. But the truth is, a person who simply understands God's word, who may know it from inside out, who may know backwards and forwards what the context of every book in the Bible is, who may understand the ins and outs, the character traits, may understand prophecy, may understand all of these things. If that person is not a conduit for what scripture says, James is saying that you are deceived in thinking that you are growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, when in reality, you are feeding upon yourself. And in truth, at times you begin to die 
because you are not flowing out that which God has for you. So the deception is very powerful, and I, I see this a lot. I see this a lot in church world where people think that the key to a growth in the relationship with Jesus Christ is simply understanding. Well, is understanding important? Well, of course it is. Is understanding scripture and getting a feel for what God wants you to do important? Well, of course it's important, but it cannot stop there because it's a deception where we think that just simply because we understand the Bible, we have a good working knowledge of it, We may even understand it at a deeper level than other people that somehow that in and of itself is the the ability for us to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And James says that's simply not the case. Now, it's, it's one thing if a person is like that, but the danger is when a church as a whole has this concept that we just come together and we put kind of a fence around our world. We put a fence around ourselves. We may put a fence around our family for us to be safe in here so that we don't allow the world to mess us up, so that we don't get beyond ourselves. We don't get out there and really understand what God is trying to do in and through us. So there's a real danger here, and it's a deception that says to us that if we are understanding God's word, if we're just spending our time praying without doing it, then we are growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But it just doesn't happen like that. He goes on a little further, and he gives this example. He says, if this is you, then you're kind of like this person who looks in the mirror. Now, when, they, when, they, when he talks about a mirror, he's not like talking about mirrors that we have. I mean, we have mirrors everywhere. We take selfies of ourselves and we have pictures of us everywhere. We don't forget what we look like. I mean, we just know what we look like. But back in that day, it wasn't as common for, uh, for them to have a good understanding about what they look like because mirrors weren't everywhere like they are today. And what they used was kind of a shiny platter that kind of gave them maybe a little distorted view of themselves. And so James is saying, if this is you over here, it's just listening and just understanding and just taking it all in. You're like a person who looks at yourself in this fuzzy mirror or this fuzzy plate, this shiny plate, and you walk away from it and you think you've got a good handle on it, when in truth, you forget exactly what in the world you're supposed to be understanding in the first place. Then he goes on and he says, listen, but there's a different person. There's the person who understands it, who takes it in, and then actually acts it out. That person then, he uses the word blessed. So the other equation I have for you is listening plus doing equals blessed. Now, the key word here is blessed. Now, what does it mean to be blessed? Deceit is a negative word. Blessed is a very positive word. But blessed, we've kind of taken as a very general word that describes a lot of different things. I mean, you call a prayer. Somebody say the blessing. You know, can you bless this food? Uh, We talk about it in the good things that happen with our lives. If something happens that we don't see coming, out of the blue, we say, ah, it's a blessing. We're so blessed. If things are going well in our lives, we talk about how we are blessed. But I'm not sure the context of this passage or the context of the New Testament really gives us an idea that the blessing that he's talking about is about good things just happening to us. Because if you were to look at the New Testament writers, just about every one of them was executed. I mean, a blessed life in that terminology just didn't happen for them. So the blessing is not just the fact that if 
If I understand it and I do it, then all these good things will happen, which may or may not happen. But there's something a little more to it. There's something a little bit more powerful. There's something a little bit more that we all long for. And the blessing that he is talking about is, I believe, why all of you are here in the first place. Unless you were dragged here because somebody said you have to come to church, most of us are here for a specific reason. And the reason we are here is because we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We want that to be an ongoing growth pattern for us. So James is saying when you understand scripture and you act out scripture, you are going to put yourself in a place that is blessed where you are growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, the deceit says that I grow just by understanding, just by sitting and having somebody teach me. But James is saying, no, the way you experience that is by understanding and doing equals blessing. And the blessing, again, is your growth in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, how does this work? I mean, what, is this, what does this really look like? Let me give you kind of a, kind of a little recent example from what, from what I've seen in, in, in my own experience. This past uh, month, Early in the month, we had two, two teams go out on, on, on outreach trips or mission trips. Uh, Kurt talked about the 36 that left yesterday for Jamaica. We had two teams that left. One, one team left March 10th. They went down to Guatemala. They went to these remote villages. Uh, Brenda Rose, our, our missionary in Nicaragua, led that trip where they went into these, these areas that really have nothing. I mean, there's just nothing there. They went and did some medical work. Uh, they drove home, ran into some mudslides. It's awesome, you know, just uh, on these mountainous roads with no roads, really. And the experience that they had, I mean, I talked to a few of them th- this morning already, is just a, a phenomenal experience. Personally, the one I was, I was a part of was our team that went to Alaska uh, kind of during the same time frame. And there were 12 of us uh, who, went on, who went on this trip. Now, the makeup of both trips was so diverse I think a lot of times people have a picture that there's only a specific kind of missionary that really goes on these outreach trips. We had people from all walks of life. We had people, I think the youngest was 24, all the way up to a person who was 71 years old. We had professionals. We had single moms. We had dads. We had retirees. We had a whole host of people who were pretty much just like you. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line last year, in the fall of last year, something said to them, this is what you need to do. There was a directive that said, this is what you need to do. And rather than just say, that's a good idea, let me stay home, it was action that said, now I need to fundraise, now I need to make the commitment, now I need to actually do something. Now my question is, why would these people do this? Now, specific to Alaska, because that's the trip I was on. Why would they do this? Well, some people think, well, it's Alaska. Everybody wants to see the last frontier. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think that's the reason. Because what we saw there was anything but a picturesque world. You see, my understanding is that the reason people do this is because the understanding plus the action equals the blessed, the growing relationship with Jesus Christ. What I saw, what our team saw, what we took back was not even about the landscape. It wasn't even about Alaska. It wasn't even about the food that we ate, which was corn. And I'm not quite sure, but in in Latin America, you have rice and beans. Up there, you have corn. Uh, Pasta with red sauce, throw some corn in it. You want some eggs? Just throw some corn in it. I'm not kidding. 
It wasn't even a team camaraderie. I mean, it was chaos. There's a lot of tension as far as chaos. Now, granted, the team comes together, but, but what is it? Well, in my estimation, what I saw and what I see and what I got feedback from is that there was a world that, that we saw that was so remote that people could not understand was part of the United States that shook us out of our reality that made us understand that there is a world beyond the comforts of our own home, where we saw a world that was just overly characterized by depression, by drug use, by alcoholism, by incest, by rape, by tensions between a world that we think we know, but we don't really know, by a state that we think is part of the union, which it is, but only for a few years, and there's tensions between the natives and the white man or the government. And so it shakes us out of our reality to understand that there is a world that we can look at and it can start to align our view in the way that God looks at humanity as a whole. And that a group of people from North Pinellas County park our nice cars in the garage, we get on our plane and we go to a world that shakes us out of a reality, that shakes us out of a comfort zone, that allows us to see a world much the way Christ viewed the world. We worked with a a church trying to make inroads so that they could have an influence in this community. And when we come back, the blessing is not about pictures that we took. The blessing is not about the fact that we can say we traveled to Alaska. The blessing is not about the fact that we froze ourselves to death. (laughs) The blessing is that our concept, our perspective started to slowly align with the perspective that God has on all of humanity. And so when we come back, we're different people. We have a different heart. We have a different passion. I talked to one lady between services. She starts crying. She says, I don't know what else to do. I'm trying so hard to reach out to these people. I hated to leave them because there's no hope for them. I'm trying to get them plane tickets to give them some kind of hope. This is the blessing. The blessing of becoming a more devoted follower of Jesus Christ. To becoming closer to the person he wants you to do, wants you to be. And it's not by sitting over here just reading the Bible. That's important. That's part of it. But it's taking that and it's becoming a person who is doing something with it. Who is making a difference in the world. That's the blessing that God has promised. That's the blessing that James is talking about. So, so what do you do with this? I mean, wh- where do you go with this? Well, to be quite honest, I can't tell you specifically where God is directing you. We can talk about generalities about things. We can talk about relationships and things like that. But specifically, what do you need to do? What is your next step? First of all, individually. What is God calling you to do individually? My guess is in a congregation this size, that God has put something on your heart that you know, that you know it's your next step, what God is calling you to do. You understand it. You don't need deep theological training to understand this. Perhaps it's in the world of your relationships where there's been a breakdown and you know that God is calling you to do what Romans says and live at peace with all men by laying it down, by offering forgiveness and letting it go. 
Perhaps it's in the area of your finances. Or maybe God is saying the action you need to take is to not purchase that thing which you know is just a reflexive action. You know it's just an emotional purchase and you know where it's going to lead. And God is saying to you, don't do it. Perhaps it's in the area of work. Maybe there's something in your work that you know you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you've done something that you know you need to be, make right. Maybe it's in the area of your spiritual journey. Whatever it is, I believe God has put upon your heart, put it in your head, so much so that you know clarity. You have a clear understanding. You are thinking clearly about what God is wanting you to do. It's time to move out of this realm and to make it a reality. So often we get over here and we start talking, well, I just need to pray a little bit more about it. I just need to study a little bit more. I need to meditate a little bit more about it. And all that stuff is important. But friends, at times, it's important to put the Bible down, to get off your knees and to get outside and do what God is calling you to do. I had this instance the, uh, about a week ago. <clears throat> I had this instance about a week ago. There was an instance where this issue was happening and these people were sitting around and they're talking to me about it. And I'm like, have you done this? Well, no, we've been praying about it. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you do this? Maybe it's time to get up. Maybe God is giving you the direction to actually make something happen. And in your world, God is leading you in so many different ways. And this is why I cannot say to you, this is what you need to do. Because I believe as a person who's a follower of Jesus Christ, where God's spirit indwells inside of you, that God is directing you so clearly. It is not a question of understanding. It's a question of getting out and making it happen relationships, spirituality, all of these things, they just don't happen by themselves. And you know what I found a lot of times? People spend so much time praying for what they look at as blessings, which are simply the fruit of actually doing what God wants you to do in the first place. They're not miracles. They're actually the result and the consequence of living a life that God wants you to live. You want a good relationship? Well, maybe it's time you get out and you start making good relationships. You want good finances? Maybe it's time you stop praying for miracles about it and you start handling your money correctly. You want good health? Maybe it's time you stop praying for a miracle and get up and do some exercise. Now, all right, I'm done, all right. <laughs> now, you know when I do this, I preach to myself anyway. Anyway, individually, I just think, so many times, and this is, this is something that I, I, just to be candid with you, that I, I run into so often, is that people, they get themselves by bad decisions in the places where they just think that God is punishing them. I'm like, no, it's not that. It's that you're missing it. You have clear thinking. It's not a matter of your brain. It's a matter of getting out there and making it happen. And don't misunderstand me. This is not self-help. This isn't put massive action towards something and let's go outside and walk across coals. This is not anything like that. This is about following God's specific direction through his spirit in your life. But what about corporately? What about corporately? I'm saying everybody has to go on a mission trip. Absolutely not. I don't believe God has a, has a set, this is the way you have to do it type approach. 
I don't believe it's a cookie cutter. I think God calls people to different specific things in different parts of their lives. Some of you are in phases where you've got kids. It makes it difficult. Some of you have jobs. It makes it difficult. Some of you have different circumstances in life. And some of you just aren't passionate to go in that direction, which is okay. But it's not okay not to do something. To do something. So this is where Outreach Week comes into play. Because Outreach Week is an idea to help the entirety of our congregation, all 100% of us, to get out of here and to do something that God has called us to do. Now, for some of you, you this, is, this is maybe a little bit of, you might have a little hesitation because you think, well, I'm not sure I want to do something that is outreach involved or missions involved or something along those lines. I totally understand that. I totally understand some of you are in a position where this is all new to you where you need to take just a little baby step to find out how God can support you through this. Some of you, however, need to get out of the baby steps and you need to start taking some massive action because you've been in this so long and you're wondering when God is gonna show up and God is wondering when you're gonna get out there and take some real bold action. So when we talk about Outreach Week, the idea is that we wanna provide ideas for everyone to do something to get them out of their comfort zone, so to speak, and to do something to create action, to reach out into the community. There's a twofold benefit to this. First of all, it allows our church to do what it's called to do and reach out into our community. Imagine, as Kurt said on the video, all 4,000 of us doing something in our community to reach out, whether it's individually or through an organization or through a local partner that we have. The ability for the church to make a positive mark on our community cannot be overstated. But secondly, the personal part is with you, with you. See, this isn't just about helping the church. Our mission is still to lead people, every one of us, into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if the blessing over here is about us acting, then we as a church have a responsibility to give opportunities, to give objects for us to get involved in no matter where we are. So I want to encourage you, every one of you, this isn't for the spiritual among us. We're all spiritual among us. This is for every one of us to do something in our world to reach out beyond our borders. Go out to the, uh, the, the, the thing over there, the, the display, grab a copy, go online, gives you more information about it, tells you how to connect uh, with different partners. But the idea is that everybody, no matter where they are, are doing something. So that down the road, we can look at it and we can say, listen, it was such a powerful event that happened because it broke me. It pushed me into a different world. But spiritually, spiritually, your next step may be really to do something major for God. You know, I hear a lot of people sometimes talk about how they feel like they're just in a rut how they feel like, uh, you know, something's happened. They just don't feel the, the pep they used to. Could I suggest that perhaps, just perhaps, this has to do not with what you understand, but perhaps it's time to make a real big step and do something crazy for God that he's called you to do. Because if what James says is true, if he really says that you understanding the word and doing it, lives a life that is blessed, 
then this is the key. This is the answer. When we started this, this message, we talked about Jesus Christ, about communion. You know, imagine what Jesus, if, if he would have came and he would have stayed over in this understanding place. You know, I see the world. I see the needs of men and women. I see the needs of children. I see hopelessness. I see people who need a savior, but I got a plan for it, but you know, I'm not gonna execute it. I mean, where would we be? Where would this world be? You see, all we're doing is following the example of Jesus Christ who came to this earth with a plan for the redemption of mankind and executed that plan so that we can live a blessed life. God has a plan for you. Don't think in this congregation, don't think you're the one left out. Don't think you're the one not spiritual enough. Don't think you're the one who's messed up too much. Whatever, whatever God has called you to do, allow him through your actions to build your faith, to show you that yes, you are a child of God that he can bless and you can grow in a closer relationship with him. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna pray for us before we leave and I'm gonna ask our prayer partners to come down at this time. And I would just ask as you leave here that you, in your own heart, in your own mind, just search out what God wants you for, to do. You know, I think sometimes we put too much on this and we think it's too much of a mystery. When in reality, I think God's clarity for our lives is right there. And the question is, are we gonna do it? We have prayer partners up front. If you need some prayer, if you need some help, just understanding what the next step is, let them pray with you. But friends, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can just pray about it, leave here, and everything's gonna be great. You've got to do something with the way God directs you. Let me pray for us. Father, I just wanna thank you for these men and women. These men and women who have come today from all different walks of life, from all different places in, this, in, this, in their own personal journeys. Some of them are frustrated. Some of them are down. Some of them feel like all is lost. Some of them are riding high. Some of them have had the best week ever. Some of them, the relationships are going great. And there's, there's some in the middle where they're just going through the motions. But regardless of our state, regardless of where we feel we are, I do believe that you have a personal directive plan for each one of us. You've called us to be exceptional. You've called us to be blessed people. Please remove all of the deception that is over us, thinking that, that maybe somehow we missed the boat. But help us to understand that the reality of the blessing is through us understanding your word, of digging deep into your word, but not leaving it there, but making it a reality in our lives. May you go before all of us. May you make our path straight. May you open the doors for opportunities for us to really live out the life you've called us to live. Give us strength. Help us not to be timid. Help us not to back down and, and listen to lies that tell us we can't do something because you've taught us over and over through your power, through your spirit, all things are possible through you.
Your spirit indwells all of us. Allow it to speak to us. Allow it to give us clarity so that all of us can live a blessed life so that this church can be known as a blessed church. Not because of all the good things that are happening, but because we are a church made up of men and women who are acting out scripture, who are realizing a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for guiding us. In your son's name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.